hello, everybody. This is Armstrong Williams at StrongCast. That's armstrongwilliams.com slash StrongCast. That's StrongCast today. Akeem, my man, is joining us to talk about, among other things, you probably remember his show, An Eye for an Eye. But we put a new twist on Eye for the Eye today in our, in our broadcast with Akeem. I made him a little uneasy. Because in today's time, we didn't need an updated version of an eye for an eye. For a lot of the senseless violence and killings that's going on in the society, maybe we need to give them a dose of their own medicine. Security of information online, a little net neutrality, and talking control of your personal consumer data with knowledge that will empower you. That's up next on StrongCast. Is your current mortgage rate 4% or less? Call United Security Financial today. Rates are excellent and property values are increasing. Are you looking to get equity from your home, lower your interest rate, remove mortgage insurance, or consolidate debt? Think United Security Financial. Call today and speak with a mortgage advisor. Call them at 1-800-373-4186. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Armstrong Williams. It is known as StrongCast. What is strong? Fearless. Undaunting, courageous, willing to fight when it's not your fight, willing to lose if that's the price. Courageous, strong cast. But anyhow, Akeem, my man from Los Angeles, tell our audience about, tell us your full name and what you do for in life. All right, Armstrong, great being here with you. Yes. Been a fan of yours. Fan. <laughs> do we need a fan? No. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell, so, tell us. Well, I'm Akeem Anastapulo. I was uh, Judge Extreme Akeem on the TV show Eye for an Eye, um, which was on Nationwide, I think, for seven years. I think it's on over 40 countries right now. Um, I, started, I have a law firm in, in South Carolina, and I think it's probably the biggest plaintiff's law firm in the state. Of it South is the Carolina. biggest in my yeah. state. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm Greek, I'm Greek American. My grandparents came over from Greece, and um, was a tennis player. And um, grew up in downtown Charleston. What family? Family, yeah, yeah. I got family still there, and I moved to LA whenever I got involved with TV and film. You have? A, do you have a family? Oh yes, I have a wife who's a law school professor and two daughters. All grown. 21 and 17 years old. Well, they think they're grown. <laughs> yeah. You know, so what do you, you know, I, I'm torn. I know I'm a shock, my, 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 my producer here, Xavier, but I'm telling you, I'm really torn about this debate on net neutrality. I'm really torn. I don't know if people really understand net neutrality. So I'm going to put it in a, in a perspective where people can understand it. Um, net neutrality for me is like, you know, someone who's driving on the highway and all of a sudden, and I, I know many people living in the Washington, D.C. area can relate to this. You leave D.C., you go to New York Avenue, and all of a sudden there's this bottleneck traffic because there's no other road. There's no other space. There's no other place that you can go. And so the highway is sort of like this net neutrality. And also it's like flying. Sometimes when you're about to land, there's so much congestion, they put you in a holding pattern in the in the airspace until you can land. What do I mean by that? Someone has to go out and expand the airspace or they have to build more highway. And somebody will say, well, I built the highway in the first place. I get to charge whatever I want to charge for it. 
if I want to charge a higher price for people to come on this uh, uh, interstate highway, then that's the that's the that's the private sector. But so you may have, let's say, if you have five different cars on on this on this highway, four of them, let's say, are pretty rich, and yet you have somebody who's you would consider poor. And yet, all of a sudden, um, somebody else comes and buys this highway from you, and they decide to increase the price to the point where only the rich people can afford it, and the poor person has the exit, and they have no other way of travel. So but what do we do about that? Obviously, the government sometimes need to come in and say, hey, we need to regulate this. You guys are out of control. But net neutrality is an issue that's being debated. What should be done about net neutrality? Because I can weigh in on both sides. Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I haven't really thought about it much. I don't get involved in too much. with. But uh, this is a simple, simple idea. What, what, what do we do about it? Well, I think, you know, we got to have access for everybody. Everybody. And, yeah, I think that. Uh, but it shouldn't be equal access. Not everybody I, can afford the same thing. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I, I think, yeah, I think there should be equal access um, for everybody. I think that everybody um, should, should have the same type of access. I haven't done too much research into it. So, so let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just keep this moving. What do you, what do you think the internet and broadcast is going? And is it a good thing? And there, are there going to be very few players going forward? Well, this, to me, the scary part is the, the amount of information they're gathering on you. Um, that, you know, I, I guess most people don't know. Every time you go on the internet on, on, and you go on a site, they're attaching you know, something to your browser so that they can find out everywhere you go and everything that you buy and um, your spending habits, your credit history. So the the amount of information that's being gathered on people just by being on the net, I, I think would be shocking to people. But do they do it also when you go and access places like Netflix and other movies? Are they doing the same there? Are they tracking you there? Oh, yeah. A lot of them. Um, I'm not going to mention the companies, but the well-known companies if you look at their profits, most of their profits are by selling your information to credit bureaus. Um, so that you go to their site or use their service, and um, just by entering your email in, they can gather all the information um, from consumer agencies. They can gather information on your buying history, um, on everything, and then they take that same information and they'll sell it. Um, one well-known company, which I don't want to mention name, one of their biggest profits is by selling it to um, credit bureaus. Uh, I, so you know, I, for me, it would be very difficult for someone to, to access the sites that I go to or what I watch on TV to sort of uh, determine my spending habits. Rarely do what I go to on the internet, uh, what I watch on TV, has anything to do with my spending habits. Because what I do is so random. I may have done something. I've I watched Netflix for the first time ever, and I just went through a lot of movies. But then after I went through the movies, I had my fill of appetite. I realized that the, the values that I look for, the things that keeps me stimulated in terms of that keeps me fed and hungry for more was just not there. So I, I found myself, after two nights of doing this, I'm back to reading my books. They probably still make money off of you. If, for example, if you're on Netflix and you're watching a bunch of different movies, they then can analyze that you may like this actor and this cinematographer, and they can combine it into what you like, and they can sell that information to movie studios of a certain person, of certain age, of certain um, um, race, 
married, divorced, or whatever, likes this type of stuff. Um, they're, they're, every site you go to is gathering information from you, and they're able to sell it. So how, how do people take their power back so they're not exploited? What, 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 are, what alternatives that they have? Because listen, the genie's already out of the bottle. You're not going to be able to put it back in. Well, I think the problem is most of politicians and most consumers and most people don't understand the, the Internet. It's the wild, wild west out there. And that without people understanding what's going on, they really can't. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be taking the power back because you, everybody uses their smartphone. Everybody uses their tablet. Um, they're tracking on your smartphone. They're tracking your location. So if you um, or wherever you go, they know where you're going. They can tell um, – from the time you go to a website and you visit it, they can tell from your location services how long it took you to get to that business. Um, so it's just millions and millions of pieces of evidence that's being gathered on you. And I, I, I think it's like you said, the genie's out in the bottle. There's not much we can do at this point. You know, I want to come back to where you all started in the legal profession. You as a lawyer, you know, we live in a very litigious society now, especially in the era of sexual harassment and people filing lawsuits, frivolous lawsuits, it seemed it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, obviously the legal world and the legal profession has like changed radically since the days of when you started out. Yes, it has. It's um, the it's become consolidated. That um, like any other profession, the bigger law firms have gotten bigger and have taken on uh, more of the cases than. Sort of like the hospitals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and they squeeze the little guy out. It's hard for the little guy. I yeah, mean, and, uh, and they can charge more money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And can. not necessarily better service, a more intimate service. Exactly. I mean, you're thinking sometimes, oh, I'm doing the best I can by hiring the biggest law firm, but actually you're paying high rates and you're probably getting the first year associate who just got out of law school <laughs> that you probably would have done better by going to someone that um, had been practicing for years, that would probably charge you less rate. So, so why do you think the legal field does so well in terms of these television shows? Every time you turn around, there's another legal show that's popping up. I mean, you were on the cutting edge of this. Did you ever see it coming to this? I mean, one of the things that networks and these other outlets that Netflix and others can be assured of, if you do a show that has to do with the law, the courtroom, it's gonna do well. Why is that? Is that a phenomenon? Is that something new? Uh, well, I think, first of all, everybody either has had a legal issue or they know someone in their family or friends that have had a legal issue, whether it's criminal, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a will, whether it's um, anything. You, people are always fascinated by the law, and Hollywood knows that. Hollywood, especially in criminal um Cases people seem to be fascinated by criminal shows, and they keep making more and more of them, and they keep working. I mean, look at forensics. I'm obsessed with it. I love the show. Look at Criminal Minds. Look at CSI, NCIS. All those shows, and people actually believe that's how the real world operates, and what that's what happens in an emergency room. That's what happens in the morgue. But a lot of that stuff is really far from reality. Yeah, I'm a former prosecutor, and I talk to a lot of uh, my friends who are prosecutors, and they say they can't get. Um, juries to convict anymore because everybody thinks that why didn't they do some of these things they do on CSI and the defense attorney gets up there and go, 
goes, well, it's reasonable doubt that they didn't do this forensic evidence. Well, a lot of times that's not available, especially in small cities where the budgets are small. And so um, a lot of people don't realize it, but juries around the country are having a hard time convicting people because of some of these TV shows. How do you as a prosecutor differ from the prosecutors today? Um, well, I, I was a prosecutor years ago, so I know it from back then. You know, I think back then that, um, you know, we looked at the individual and judges looked at the 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 person, whereas now so many legislatures have wanted to um, put everything in a cookie cutter. For example, third offense, drug offense, you automatically get this much time. Well, sometimes it really doesn't work like that. Um, you know, if – there's there's cases where they have three strikes, you're outlaws. Well, someone may, you know, take a pack of gum and they're looking at, you know, 30 years. I think that prosecutors don't like that. And the judicial system is is hurt by the fact that they when they try to cookie cut everything. Let's talk about um, your uh, a little more about TV shows that I find I talk about that. Yeah, it was a great show um, that – so it came up with the concept be, from a uh, judge. You probably remember him being from South Carolina. Judge Epps, do you remember him? Yes, of course. Yeah, so Judge Epps was probably one of my biggest influences. He always believed, for example, um, if someone vandalized something, he would make them go pick up garbage for you know three months on the highway. Either that or they would go to jail for a long time. Um, he believed in teaching people a lesson instead of just sticking them in jail where they would um, obviously just learn more bad habits. So I created the show Eye for an Eye. What we did exactly that. Um, for example, if someone did something to you, then you got to do back to them equal. Um, you know, we had one show where the guy – had stolen something out of a lady's house, and we let her go to his house and steal whatever she wanted. Oh, wow. And, and so, um, you know, just ways of using creative punishment and creative, creative sentencing. Wow. How effective could that be? I think it could be really effective. But do you get a chance to take a life, too? Uh, well, you know, I think that, no, I don't know if we could go that far. That's a good question. But it's question. an eye for an eye. Yeah, I, that's a great question, but I don't I don't believe in that far. But you Do know, we get to rape somebody? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, if somebody raped, do we get to rape them? I don't know if you can go that. No, well, I don't think well, you can but do it's that. A, well, why not? It's an eye for an eye. And if if you absolutely know they committed the crime, if somebody rapes your daughter, why can't you rape them? Why? Yeah, in certain countries, you can, I guess, but, um, you know. You're I, quivering on me. Why? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer, if you, you know, of like letting the person learn a lesson. But, but you, uh, you created eye for an eye. I mean, obviously, there's a reason you created. You didn't say, I created eye for an eye with boundaries and eye for an eye because you want to send a message that when you go out and harm people and you steal, you rape, you kill, you need to know what it feels like sometimes. So that's why you created it. How far are we willing to go with it? I like that, especially in the world we live in today. I'm liking it more and more. If you behead somebody like we see with these terrorists, they should be beheaded. I think a lot of Americans will go for that. I, and I think you're going to be shocked to hear me say this. I think that's one of the reasons, not on the same level, not the same scenario, why Donald Trump is in the White House. They wanted a gangster. They wanted a bully. They wanted somebody who talked trash. They wanted somebody who said, um, you can't come in my country. You're not welcome here, illegal immigrants. Muslims are terrorists. Whether it's true or not, whether you put them all together, people like that. That's what worked. That's the era we in. Now, you may have treat. How long ago did you create this show? Uh, it was uh, about 12, 14 years ago. But let me tell you something. 
I know this thing about the Harami code and all that, and I will tell you, if you created a show like that in today's environment, it would take off like hotcakes, and the heat would never leave, leave the kicks. That is where we are as a society, because I must tell you, as a sophisticated, a learned, somebody who's willing to forgive, somebody who has compassion, there is no question the way you go out and kill people, I, I, it, would be not, it would be so satisfying to me that if you could experience that same kind of death, absolutely, would not faze me, and I could sleep very well at night. I mean, I, I agree the country, I mean, I don't agree that we should kill people, but I, I agree that the the country is fed up and, you know, that that is one of the reasons Donald Trump won. And, you know, I, I, I think that in my show, we did it more of, a, a, for example, if you stole something, you had to hold up a sign saying I'm a thief and, you know, letting people learn their lesson. I, you know, I don't know if you're, if you killed someone, how, how they may not be able to learn lessons. What, 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 what were the gladiators about? <laughs> yeah. What was that about? Yeah. What, why did they stone people? Why did they do it? I mean, you may see it as barbaric, but it's an eye for an eye. There's a punishment for your behavior. And for those that are listening to the show, this is a strong cast. If your current mortgage rate is over 4%, you can call United Security Financial today. That's United Security Financial today. Remember, if your mortgage rate is over 4%, call United Security Financial today. The rates are excellent and property values are increasing. Are you looking to get equity from your home? Lower your interest rate. I hope you are. Remove mortgage insurance or... You just may want to consolidate your debt. Think United Security Financial. Call them today to speak with a mortgage advisor. Back to you on this iPhone. I, I, I'm telling you, there's something about this iPhone eye. Listen, and if, 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 listen, absolutely, that's where we are as a society. But you're saying that's a dangerous slope. It's a very slippery slope. Yeah, I think you could take it too far. I, I, but they take it too far. That's the problem. They take it too far, what they're willing to do today. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I, I respect your opinion. I do. I respect but you're not giving me yours. <laughs> well, I, I I think there are limits. I really think that you know, um, personally, that 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 if someone rapes you, you, that I don't think that we want to live in a society. Some women feel to, that men need to know what it feels like to be raped. That's how they feel. Some women feel that men need to know what it like to be sexually harassed. It's like Harvey Weinstein. They feel that way. That's where we are of the buildup because they can get no justice. The law doesn't protect them. They're open season. That's what it is. And, and you know, you resort to your animalistic behavior. Yeah. I mean, you know, being a lawyer and a former prosecutor, all most people, they, they really don't want anything but the person to know what they went through. That's exactly right. That's why that eye for eye. That's why sometimes we have vigilante justice. Because they don't feel the law enforcement protect them or understand their pain. That's true. I mean, it's, it's true, but I, I don't believe in vigilante justice either. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I may not believe in vigilante justice, but I'm not going to stand in the way of it, especially if it gets somebody off the street who's harming people and destroying lives. I'm not going to stand in the way of it. Uh, and, I, and listen, there are some people I absolutely agree. The way you kill and maim people, you should be maimed and die the same way. Uh, I was so happy when the Las Vegas terrorists uh, uh, who's shooting those rounds and killed all those innocent people and have uh, impacted these lives forever. People, it'll be a long time before they return to normalcy. The best thing he could have done was kill himself. In fact, what he should have done was kill himself first before he killed anybody else. 
That's just the way I feel. I have no empathy. I have no sympathy for them when they die or when they're taken out. In fact, when I hear there's a terrorist attack, my, my, I, I'm praying for the terrorists, but the people who are harmed by it, you know what I'm saying? Please tell me you killed him. Please tell me I don't need to have the media use him as some hero or icon where he can see his name everywhere. Please tell me he's dead. And once they tell me they believe that the culprit is dead, I find a peace about it. Yeah, when I was a prosecutor, we used to interview the victims, and um, there's they seem to have more of a suffering when there was the death penalty imposed because of the wait. It wasn't of waiting 10 years for it to go on and on and on. Um, you know, you, you're right. When, when, when a terrorist or somebody dies at the scene after doing that, there brings closure. It brings closure. Yes. But 10 years of appeal. Yeah. It kills. Bring, it's a slow death for them. And they get angry and angry and angry. Why should you have rights? Why, what did my son and my daughter and my grandchild deserve to be killed and maimed in such a way. They just happened to go to the bank and you decided you want to destroy the bank. They just happened to go to the park in Las Vegas to enjoy the weekend and you're going to, because you're insane and crazy and miserable, you're going to bring that misery in my life? For me, you've taken my child, my loved one away from me? Please die. Not soon enough, though. That's the way people feel. Yeah, the victims suffer longer whenever it drags on afterwards. It, it does. It does. That's why I like your eye for an eye. Maybe you need to produce something for today, but expand it. <laughs> and let me host it. You would be great. Oh, let yeah. me host it. Uh, I call it the court of no return. <laughs> but anyhow, man, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's exactly how I feel. You're listening to the Strongcast. That's right. It's available on the iTunes store. Um, you can find out more about Strongcast podcasts at armstrongwilliams.com forward slash Strongcast. That's Strongcast. Um, do you want to listen to raw and unfiltered, thought-provoking dialogue, what you're hearing today from my guest, Akeem, and making him very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. <laughs> He's almost it. speechless. If so, then head over to iTunes and subscribe to the Strongcast podcast today. You can find out more about the Strongcast podcast again at armstrongwilliams.com for a slash strongcast. That's strongcast, C-A-S-T. Listen, man, you've been a good sport. Thank you for joining us. But I really, really like this conversation. Uh, I'm telling you, you got to give us your website and where we can find you on social media. Oh, okay. Um, well, the website is just my law firm, akeemetakeemlawfirm.com. And um, no Twitter feed, no Twitter handle. Uh, no, I don't do it. Well, look, that. <laughs> thank you. You're good. You be, you've just given me some ideas. That may be dangerous to others, but it will bring peace to many. Thank you for joining us. This is Armstrong Williams at Strongcast. Thank you. This week's episode of the Strongcast has been brought to you by United Security Financial Group. 